Thank you for listening to the Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you're looking for. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay. This week I have Angie Monique on as a guest. We talk about having just a positive outlook on things and using a creative outlet such as photography or music. Hey guys, it's Coach Jay, and this week I have a guest. I have Angie Monique, who I met through Instagram. Um, her page had a lot of positive vibes to it that caught my attention, and she's also a photographer, so I wanted to talk more about just having that artistic uh, feeling in you, being able to create and be creative, whether it be through photography, through art, through music. Uh, we all need to have some type of creative outlet, and that can pass into everything we do in life and and just make it uh, just like when you go to school and you got to take a little bit of everything to be that complete student, that complete person. I think it's a big part of life. And uh, Angie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me here, Jay. So your view on just being creative, I know we started talking about it before we recorded. I mean, what's your feeling on why everyone should have some type of creative outlet, regardless of whether it's like we said, it can be music, it can be art, photography. Um, so my feeling about it is that we need to have that creative outlet because it helps our minds expand. It helps keep us on top of like, um, basically now I have to think about what I was saying before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, basically when you just get in a rut of doing everything that you're doing every day, day in, day out, you need something to kind of add a little color to it. Otherwise you, you become the same thing every day. So sorry, I got a message like right as I was trying to talk. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I thought I had my notifications turned off, but <laughs> my mother-in-law found me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's basically uh, creative expression is necessary in order to um, avoid potentially um, depression. It, it's just, I don't know. I like to color outside of the lines. So being able to to do art in many in any of its forms is a great way to um, kind of flex the mind and keep it fresh. Well, you you mentioned coloring outside in the lines. There's a a poem that I have, and I'll have to try to dig it up and, and send it to you. Um, yeah, and and it has to do with um, it's like if you were given a pen, basically, what would you do with the pen? And then and it said, would you write? Would you scribble? Would you draw? Would you doodle? Would you stay in the lines, or would you go outside the lines, or would you even see the lines? And it's just kind of like you said, sometimes staying in the lines there there's aspects in life where we do need to stay inside the lines but especially on that mm -hmm. creative side sometimes going outside the lines just and makes it that much better yeah it allows it's that that flexing of the mind right. which I kind heard. of yeah go ahead go going <laughs> to the photography thing i used to have a, a studio set up in my basement and uh i had a brick wall that i painted so a sheetrock i painted it gray then I took the blue painter's tape and literally lined it all in the shape of bricks. Then I painted it maroon. And then I, as I peeled the tape off, there was bleed from the paint going under the tape. And at first I'm thinking, ah, oh, geez, it bled under. But because it went outside the lines, it made those bricks look more natural because they weren't perfectly square and everything nice and sharp. It go By going outside the lines, it actually made that creative aspect better than it would have if it stayed nice and crisp. Yeah, that's very unique <laughs> because anybody can, I mean, you know, tape it off and make rectangles, but that made it yours. Right. So, and, and so we, we talked about when we were going into it, um, 
just talked about like with the creative aspect and, and the rules and, and stuff like that. And we mentioned how I mentioned I took some music theory classes where they said we need to learn the rules before we can break them. And and what's your feeling on that when and you mentioned you took a class to understand lighting, but you wouldn't necessarily re- recommend that to other people because it was kind of something you probably could have learned on your own, just trial and error. And so what's your feeling on that, where especially in the in some form of art world where there are supposedly rules that you have to do this? I mean, we've all heard the rules of thirds, I mean, in terms of yeah. composition. And and sometimes if you take that photo with the model to the right side of the photo and a lot of dead space to the left, it gives a, a completely different feel, but the better feel than if you put them in that rule. If it's intentional, if it's intentional, if it's a complete accident, um, it's really hard to replicate it when you don't know what you're doing in the first place. Um, So I actually went to school for photography uh, for a bachelor's in science, and I do not recommend that for anybody. Um, The classes themselves, uh, the individual classes, I do recommend going to your local community college or finding a artist that you really enjoy and seeing if they will mentor you or if you can shadow them. Um, Sometimes I paid for a lot of classes from photographers that I really admired um, on top of my schooling. Um, I would recommend that way more than I would recommend going to actual school for it. Um, Go to school for for something like business, something that can actually help you with the business side of things, which is much harder, I think, than sometimes the actual art side. but that said, you asked me a question. I already forgot what it was. Yeah, just about <laughs> about about the rules and being able to oh, know when you it. can break them and and when it's when following the rules makes the composition less appealing than when you break the rules. Okay, so my reasoning for why you need to know the rules um, is because again, if it's not intentional, if you don't know what the rules are and you don't know what you're breaking, it's really hard to be a rebel. Um, if you don't know, like, and then it's just complete accident. You, you just stumbled upon it. It's much more difficult to replicate something if you don't know what you've done in the first place. And as you mentioned, the positive and the negative space, if you have, um, for example, I use lighting, um, very strategically placed lighting in a lot of my stuff, um, because I want to call attention to one particular item or like a feature and then I'll have everything else kind of darkened out. Sometimes I'm really bright. It just really depends on whatever it is I intentionally want to do with that photo. And that's what makes it uh, the difference between a piece of art and, you know, just a doodle. It's, right. it's intention. Yeah. So, a picture and a photograph are two different things. Mm-hmm, a snapshot right. versus, um, so that's. Well, I, I would often say that like wedding photography, and I don't know if you do weddings or have done weddings. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy doing weddings? And they're a lot of work. <laughs> that that doesn't answer my question. Do you enjoy doing weddings? It's okay I to actually, say no. <laughs> I do. I do enjoy um, the chaos. I think I'm. A, it's my my safe adrenaline junkie. Um, but I also like having my weekends. So it's well, like a. Well, that's the thing you mentioned. It's a lot of work. So when I did the photography and we had our business, um, I had a full time job. I worked in a machine shop 45 hours a week. I coached high school sports. So tack on another 25, 30 hours a week, depending on if we had home games or road games. So a a wedding photographer would take their photos on their Friday and on their Saturday, maybe take Sunday off, and then they would edit for the next four days. And then they would just keep repeating that cycle. I would 
take that wedding on the Saturday, take the Sunday off, and then I'd go work my shop, and then I'd go coach school, and then I'd come back. If it was a road game, I might be coming into the house at nine o'clock at night. Now I'm editing to one in the morning to go back to work at five a.m. And obviously, there's a stress of portrait shoot. If something happened, whether you made a mistake, whether technical issues, you you call the model in, you call the client in, you redo the shoot for an hour or two. You screw up a wedding and you're you you're done. Up a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're you're, you're done. So <laughs> I I prefer not doing weddings, and I would look at just wedding photography as glorified snapshot because you know what the guy at the table with his point and shoot just took the same photo you did but when you have a true wedding photographer and you can see again go into that the artistic side of, of shooting and being able to break the rules or having that artistic eye just because you know the rules doesn't mean you can do it if you don't have that creative nature in you Mm -hmm. And uh, being able to walk into any scenario, any scene with little to no prep work um, and being able to like very quickly and efficiently put together a scene based on what I have um, and turn it into a piece of art is, I think, again, it's a lot of work. It's very difficult, but it's something that I thrive on because I love the challenge. It's the creative challenge that just keeps me going. But um it didn't happen overnight. I, I didn't just pick up again, a camera and decide to shoot weddings and, and found out I was good at it. It's, it's not just the art part. It's the being able to manage people. It's essentially trying to wrangle cats and um, chaos. It's complete chaos. You have no control over it. You just have to be able to, to go along with the, the ride right? and make the best of it. Yeah. And, and like you said, being able to do that, I mean, I've done it. I mean, Obviously, wedding photography and sports photography are, are different, but I've done a lot of sports photography where it's the same thing. You're you, you're you're not on a set where you can pose it. You have to be mm -hmm. able to get those angles. And I mean, if you're doing a soccer game, you got to be in the right position to get that front view of the keeper. I mean, because exactly. you can only get that picture of the goalie and both my kids are keepers. So it's like <laughs> I made sure that that's the photo I'm taking and anyone else the action's constantly moving. So you could stand somewhere and never get a good photo of number nine and he's the captain and that's who you were, were trying to get. But you have to be able to work around those, those very, mm -hmm. like absolutely said, being able to work into something like that. Yeah. I mean, I agree that that creative outlet is just a big thing for everyone to have. I mean, it, it's, again, I mean, you commented, I'm, I mean, sitting in my, my playroom with his, all my, my music stuff and it's, being creative has always been something I've done. I've always been involved in some sort of arts. Uh, I remember I took my kids when they were younger to see Rent. I don't know if you've ever seen the play Rent. Oh, yes. yes. And um, and I want to say my kids were 10 and 7 at the time. And there was an older lady at the will call going to get And she looks at me. She goes, do you know what the show's about? I said, no, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't. I mean, they, they've seen the movie. And I said, I will never hide history or arts from my kids i mean obviously there's going to be some art and some history stuff that i mean might not be appropriate for them until they're until they're older i mean and as kids everyone and i don't know how old you are but i'm in my late 40s and i'm I mean, 40 <laughs> yeah well i mean the whole thing when you're a little kid and you open up national geographics i mean and and there's naked women and it, it was like the the big thing but that's that's history that's life that's not it's not opening up a playboy. It's, it's something different. And there's like the one scene in, in rent where, 
and she's on the table and she drops her pants and moons. And I just remember my kids again, 10 and seven at the time, just looking at each other and smiling. And that was it. It was was like out of the way, but it's like, if there's anything art wise, and I'm going to introduce my kids to it. And I, Mm -hmm. I just love the arts, whether it be drawing or music or photography. Um, my younger son's been playing with the camera and has fun with it. And, and oh, that's good. Where now you said you've done the weddings. I know you do a lot of more like the modeling type shots and, and stuff like that. And what, yes, in my studio. Yeah. And what, what do you prefer? Do you prefer that on the fly of the, of the wedding or do you like to be, you get to be more creative when you're in your studio and you get to set the light exactly where you want to get that particular thing. I mean, I've mentioned, I mean, I, I like to do a lot of single light on the, on the black backdrop. So it just mm-hmm. fades away. And I mean, I've told people, um, and we're going to go, this will actually transition very well into the body positivity and positive mindset thing where I've told people I can either accentuate or hide anything you want by moving mm-hmm. the light five degrees. And, exactly. and that's something that I, I like that creative aspect of the studio. And how do you use the light in the studio to do something like that? Um, so as far as whether I like the studio work versus the wedding, um, I almost prefer the studio work. Um, it's It gives me a lot more flexibility for control. Um, I, and I can be more intentional with the, with the look that I'm going for um, as far as aesthetics and everything else like that. Uh, you asked me a second question in there too. Just well, kind of like the we we talked. Um, I mentioned I like a lot of the positive vibes you had, and you do mm-hmm. talk about um, body positivity and and I know you you work with and I and this is where like the politically correct aspect. I I hate people that are too politically correct or get wrapped up in it because when I was doing a lot of like working with local models, and I'm using the term loosely. Um, back in the day, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of TFP time for prints Mm -hmm. or we do trade for prints. Yeah. Well, first off, it's not prints anymore. It's digital files Mm -hmm. back in the, (laughs) and back in the day in the film day, and it it was a little different, but that whole thing happened where you got this rush of models before. I don't know if you're on model mayhem or anything like that. No, it's, it's, it's a legitimate photography model networking site and you have top-notch photographers, top-notch models. And then you have a guy with the camera and some girl that wants free photos. So you yep. have the full range <laughs> of it. And back in, I'm going to date myself back in the MySpace days and someone heard, Oh, I know where we can get free photos. And then that, those type of networks just blew up. Um, yeah. But I remember explaining to someone, she wanted a model and I want to say she might've been a size 10, 12, which I mean, in the industry would be considered plus size. It's and, I, and, I like and, to call it mid-size because it's not in the plus size um, no, category. I, but, well, they but, probably subdivided it now compared to 20 years ago. I mean, it was either you were plus yeah. size or you weren't. And I did not say it in an offensive way. I was just stating the facts that this is the market you would get into. And she got so offended by it. And it, it yeah. was, and it's like, I wasn't saying it to be, I mean, she was a stunning woman. She I mean, take, took great photos, but I was just, Okay, well, if you're going to go into this modeling, here's the market. Realistically, yeah, yeah realistically speaking, and it it's even like, a size four at that in the the modeling world is considered, unfortunately, well, it was for a long time, especially around that time, twenty years ago or however long ago it was, 
um, a size four was considered overweight, which was, is a, it's absurd to even think that, but well, you, how you, it was. you see this stuff from an eighties and nineties and, and they, they've even gone that. And I mean, just working in the gym, personal trainer, and I listen to a bunch of podcasts, they just muscular women now compared, I mean, back in go back 20, 30 years ago, everyone was, I mean, real thin. I mean, unhealthy thin was what they used to promote things. And, mm-hmm. and now, and now it is acceptable to be for women to be muscular. And I mean, there's some things, I mean, from, from a health standpoint, like you see some magazines that'll, I mean, healthy at every size. Yes, you can be healthy at every size, but let's not, let's not completely disregard medical things. I mean, if, I mean, my family is known for, for heart issues. I mean, if you're carrying around an extra 20, 30 pounds and you're stressing your heart, that's not healthy for a family like mine with heart issues. I mean, it's so- not healthy, but I, I would say there's got to be like a fine line between the, the mental health and the physical health. And oh, I coach as that far big as, time. yeah, the inclusivity that I see as far as like the happy, you know, beautiful at any size is that there are a lot of larger people out there who, you know, they are trying to cut calories. They are working out. They are, for whatever reason, unable to lose weight. And they are in a very unhealthy mental state state because they're trying so difficult to get to an un uh, like unrealistic body size for them that, you know, they lose how much time in their life not being happy with who they are. And I think that our happiness within ourselves should not be completely hind, you know, hinging off of our body size. Right. So that's how I see it. Oh, and, and I agree with that. And that's even just from from working out and, and training people. I tell them, don't the scale is the last metric we want to look at, and and it's also a balance. I mean, one thing that, like you mentioned, how much time do they waste in the gym just trying to chase this goal? I mean, one mm-hmm. thing that I'll tell people is. And my favorite podcast, like if you said, oh, let me hear your podcast before I come on. The episode I would have shared with you is one titled The Importance of Rest. And where most most people, especially you get the trainers or the hard-nosed coach, that's like, you got to move, got to move. No days off. Keep going. Keep going. I mean, balls to the wall. It's like, no, you need a rest. And like music, the rest is just as important as the note. I use the song Bingo. We all sang in elementary school, B-I-N-G-O. And the next time we'd clap as a space holder, but it was I-N-G-O. Well, if someone yelled B right there, you screwed up the song because you played a note instead of the rest. Well, if you do a workout on the day you're supposed to rest, you're going to screw up your workout and it's going to be detrimental to you. So yeah, there. and on the flip side, I know a, a friend of mine who's real thin. I mean, she could eat a pint of ice cream every day and is never going to gain weight. So you have people on the other side of the spectrum who fight the same challenges. Oh, why don't you go and eat a steak, eat a burger? I mean, yeah. And, so you get body the fight shaming across the board is just horrendously. It, it happens. I've seen, um, you know, larger women who body shame the thin women. Um, and I say women, um, it does happen with men as well, but it, it's, it's, it's usually more prominent, it, in, the women, it's yeah. prominent in the female because our body size seems to be like more important to other people than our intelligence or anything else. Cause that's like the first thing that, that gets remarked on when you see a woman in a catalog or whatever. Um, it's, you know, what she looks like, not who she is as a person. I'm, I'm, I'm having a brain fart. Who's the one is, and you'll, you probably know the name, the one that was on the cover of sports illustrated, like the first quote unquote plus size model, the brunette oh. I follow her on Instagram. I'm having a brain fart on 
Oh, it yeah, is. I follow her too. Oh my gosh. I now I got to look it up. <laughs> um yeah, she's absolutely stunning. People are for whatever reason they're like don't glorify fatness or whatever else they call for lack of a better term that's what they say. Um and I don't see it that way. I see it as including not everybody should be a size 4. Not everybody is meant to be a size 2. It's just including more sizes in the spectrum so that um I don't feel like there's something completely wrong with me all the time because I don't look like whoever is on the screen or the TV or I guess the TV and the screen are the same thing um on the magazine or do they even do magazines anymore <laughs> I think it's all yeah I, yeah I don't know what <laughs> what's in print uh Ashley Graham yes yeah thank you uh, you beat me <laughs> Well, I got the full computer here. So, um, yeah. And, and I think for, so same thing. I mean, sex sells. We have, we've all heard that phrase before. So you take a sports illustrated and the sports illustrated swimsuit issue was, I mean, the top selling issue of the year. And for them to, I'm going to use the word risk their sales by putting her on the cover. I think it did just the opposite. And it, it showed that again, at any size, any shape, any form that, and it's like, again, the body positivity. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, I'm not crazy about the whole dad bod <laughs> thing that's out there. Cause I mean, I see that, I see that and it's all, I mean, you go, you well, go, guess... and you go to the picnic and I mean, all the guys have the bare bellies and it's like, it's okay. I got my dad bod. And it's like, again, you got to go into there's every size and shape there, there is a positive aspect to it, but we also have to take in, like I said, a family like mine with heart issues. If you are carrying around that extra couple of pounds, you're stressing out your heart an extra 10%. How much could, could that hurt you? And yeah, and, and there we do, is, we do have mean, to take health into it, but there don't, is health, that, but, that but mental involved. health is also a, a thing. So the, the other thing is, um, you know, that we don't talk, we talk about subcutaneous fat because that's what we always see. Right. We don't talk about visceral fat, which is what is often linked to heart disease, um, because it's not something that you readily see as frequently. Um, you can have very thin people with a with a high amount of visceral fat, um, which well, puts it's body, a, body composition. It's why BMI doesn't mean anything anymore. Exactly. Right. And if you don't know what your body composition is, um, it, it being under a certain weight doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy kind of you already know this i don't mean yeah. to <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll send i'll show you a couple of photos after i mean right now i'm floating around 221 i think i weighed in that now i'll show you a photo of me at 225 and you'll if you if i'm 221 now you're gonna think i'm 250 in that picture and it's a completely yeah. different oh, well, body not, i haven't seen it yet but yeah, yeah but but it but just completely on body composition and it shows you that's why and again i mean i wish a lot of people would would throw out the uh the scale mm -hmm. oh. with the exception of being able to um like the body composition scales i know they're not perfect but it is nice to have something an idea of where you are um so you know kind of where you need to focus your efforts so i, I know a lot of the photography you do um how do you get the 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 models the clients comfortable when you are working with with some models and i'm going to use the term models and clients either way that mm -hmm. might have their own um body issues that they're 
they're not happy with where again that's where where lighting could could hide something it can accentuate something um i mean i had a, a good friend of mine who i did a photo shoot of her and she had to have surgery and she had scars that at first she said i want the the scars photoshopped out and then she said you know what no leave the scars in there because they're part of who i am now and and it wasn't any and she has since had i mean breast reproduction um implants but this was i think down on like her her rib area but it was a good size scar that bothered her that i mean she had like the flawless skin and all of a sudden she has this big mark and at first she to get rid of yeah especially it, it can be a huge mental adjustment i see it a lot in new mothers um who have had flawless bodies and then all of a sudden they've got stretch marks and they don't really know how to kind of like marriage the two together that this is the new me um they're still kind of stuck on the old me and it's like our bodies are little miracle workers they're not little but you know the fact every day that i'm above the dirt is a blessing and i just feel like my body has carried me this far um i try to treat my body well i try to love my body well um but who i what my body looks like today is not what it looked like you know two months ago it's not what it's going to look like in two months from now my weight has fluctuated from a size two to a size, I think, um, 14 right now. I'm at a 12, uh, but I, I fluctuate all over in there. And I've learned that I'm much happier um, when I'm eating well, when I'm getting exercise, resting well, and trying to balance everything out versus like cutting my calories, focusing so much on losing the weight. Um, it's And to get thinner, because I realized when I was doing that, no amount of thinness was thin enough. And when right. I was thin, I was so miserable because I wasn't eating right that it was, well, I, it was I, horrible. I, mean, <laughs> I, I have a, I have a goal to get under 15%. And I, I mean, it's a goal that I'm constantly working on. It's not a goal I'm pushing for, but yeah. it's, it's my, it's my long-term goal to get there. And like, even the podcast, there's three trainers that have been doing it for over 20 years. One of them was a, a, a pro bodybuilder he's actually won like the men's physique and they said like when obviously when you're looking at the guys in that range there are between three and five percent and women are in the in mid-teens at that that leanness where you uh -huh. see six packs and stuff and they said that is one of the most unhealthy things you can do to your body physically it's the most unhealthy thing you can do but the psychological aspect and like i i when i coach i coach a health tripod physical mental and emotional and you can do everything you want in the gym and depriving yourself of grandma's apple pie on Christmas and not having your nephew's birthday cake and, and not going out for wings and pizza and watching the game with your buddies. And yeah, physically you might be great because you didn't do all that, but emotionally you're a wreck because you're not hanging out with your friends and psychologically you're drained because you're too worried about that. And there has to be that balance. Exactly. And you had asked me before I got on that whole tangent about how I help my clients um, who do every, I'm going to tell you, honestly, every single client who's walked through my doors has some form of an issue, regardless of size. I have had some of the most beautiful and, you know, I think they're all absolutely stunning for their yeah, various, but, I, I, but yeah, I understand what but, you're saying. But, you know, like, society says that this is the ideal size. This is, you know, and they're stunning. Absolutely. They're, there's no reason for them to be yeah, the five foot nine blue eyed blonde size two. I mean, yeah. And they're yeah. just like, 
I'm not going to say it's exhausting, but it is like to, to kind of like work through the mental issues with them about why they are feeling this way. And I know how exhausting they must feel like every single day looking at themselves and not liking what they see. So it's kind of what I do. I'm not a therapist. I'm not going to pretend to be, you know, I have not gone to school for any of that. What I do is give them the tools kind of to see themselves in a different light. So we will often go over um, what their insecurities are so that I can easily camouflage through posing lighting. There's all different kinds of ways to, I don't want to, I don't want to make it go completely away because it's still often a part of them, but minimize it. So it's not like front and center. Um, And a lot of times, like when they see the finished picture, they're like, oh, wow, I guess when they see themselves, all they saw was their, their flaws. They never saw the greatness about them, how beautiful they really are. So it's like, I give them an opportunity to see themselves through somebody else's eyes. Well, that's, that's something that I love doing with photography. I, I did a friend of mine needed a headshot for work and I took a couple photos and I took one black and white photo of her with her dog and I printed it up and eight by 10. And and she looks at it and she's like almost in tears. And she's like, who's this beautiful woman? It's like, it just, it caught her by surprised i mean mm-hmm. and, and same thing i mean i'm guessing i know you said you get the insecurities all shapes and sizes um i mean i've done nude photography and you get the model with the the a cup breast and she's like oh no i'm not doing anything topless and this and that i was like well watch what you can do with lighting and and all of a sudden they realized okay there's more there or like you said hide if someone's not happy with their midsection you can again pose in a natural pose that's going to like you said, camouflage it, not hide it, but yeah. And it- I, I hesitate. One of the other things that I've, I've kind of fussed with myself about is making sure that I am not trying to turn every woman that comes in my doors into what is perceived from either the male eye or the media eye as, you know, traditionally beautiful or whatever the trend is in beauty standards. So Right now, the hourglass figure is very big. The the large breasts, the large hips, that's very popular with the tiny waist. Um, and as, as much as it is um, easy to want to like turn everybody into that when they come through my doors, instead, oh my gosh, <laughs> my mother-in-law is still texting me. Um, <laughs> um, so it's easy to want to do that, but to be able to turn somebody into themselves and see who they are as themselves and love themselves as they are versus like trying to get their, you know, wearing a waist cincher to feel better about what their midsection looks like. Because to be honest, even at my thinnest, I'm not an hourglass. I have, I call it my SpongeBob SquarePants body. I'm very rectangular (laughs) and there's still a place for me. And I still think I'm beautiful. Um, You've got your pear shapes, your apples, you've got all kinds of body shapes we don't need to make everybody look like an hourglass in order to feel beautiful kind of thing. So um, I do hesitate to change them or even the A cups, my beautiful A cups. Um, I don't accentuate. Like I just help them see themselves beautifully as, as their A cups Um, versus, you know, I've got, I hesitate to bring up any like specific details about clients because of privacy, but um I've had some very well endowed ladies come in and 
they are just as insecure about their breast size as my A cup girls. And it's, um, trying to, okay. So I have this one client who is very well endowed, um, like more than I'd ever really worked with before. So it was a bit of a challenge, um, trying to make sure that they were, um, supported. That was my primary objective was making sure she felt supported. However, I did decide to do something with her, with her permission. At first, she was not really wanting to do anything that was going to have anything kind of like unsupported. But I did towards the end of the session, she started to feel more secure within herself and more happy. And so she ended up doing it like the one of the last poses. I had her do it so that I was like, even though you may not like the way you look right now, you will be way more forgiving and kinder of yourself. 10 years from now, um, you'll wish that you looked the way you look right now. So she did the pose and I didn't expect her to actually buy the image. And she did. She actually liked the photo of herself right now and decided to purchase it. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I've done a good job, um, helping her fall in love with herself as she is. And it's, you know, there's all kinds of things like you were saying before about how, we can nitpick or maybe I said it, I don't know, but we nitpick ourselves. And, you know, as far as the mental health and um, mindset, I mean, there's so much here that we could go into on, on mindset. Um, being comfortable in who we are right now today is probably the healthiest mindset to have. So a lot of it does involve being, you have to know, you know, be comfortable with yourself. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't try to be healthy. Like, I am, you know, still trying to lose weight for my heart, but I'm not doing it to for aesthetics. Look, a you're doing it way. for health, not yes. For I'm doing it for my health. Right. Um, so it's a totally different approach to weight loss than it was before for me. And if I don't get, you know, I don't have like a specific size that I want to get to. I just want to get to a part where I feel comfortable health wise going up and down the stairs. It's not so difficult on my joints. I'm sleeping better. Um, that's my primary objective versus looking a certain way or fitting into a certain pair of pants. Um, and the things, okay. So my biggest mindset challenge was I was like a size two, um, back in 2016 and I started putting on weight and I, I did not know why I'd gone to the doctor. They checked my thyroid levels. They were like, everything's fine. I've since realized like your thyroid levels can be fine within the fine range and still not be okay. But that's another topic for another day. So I started putting on weight and I had gone to what is called the pink tie ball, which was a um, fundraising event for breast cancer. And I had worn a, a beautiful black dress. It was sleeveless. And I just remember being so horrendously like I was 175 pounds, I think, at the time, which wasn't that. I mean, I'm a size four at 160. And, and so how, how tall are you? I'm five, five. I have a lot of muscle. So it's like, and I distribute my weight very evenly. So I can put on a lot of weight and still not look like I did, but I felt like my arms were big. I just felt so unattractive. And I look at those photos and I'm like, what was wrong with me? Like I was stunning. Like, why was I so hard on myself? Why did I waste years hating who I was? because I'm not guaranteed I'm going to lose weight. I'm not guaranteed I'm going to gain weight. I, why could I not just appreciate who I was right then? 
Um, and I just think about all the people in our, our lives that we meet every day who think like, I can't be happy unless I'm this size or I look this certain way. And it's like, they waste all of that time that they could be loving themselves and focusing on their energy on things that are more productive for them than trying to get to an unattainable, um, or even if it's attainable, trying to focus so hard on it that they can't appreciate the journey at, that they're going through. Well, that's like you mentioned, like I said earlier, the metric of the scale, everyone goes by the number on the scale. So I have uh, a client of mine. She's actually a good friend of mine as well, that she hired me to train her. She knew she needed to get going. She has me working with her and she's five, four and a buck 35. So she's not a big woman, but she like 35 is like the number that starts to stress her out. Not go nuts. I mean, she's not like starving herself or anything like that when she hits that number, but she, I have a couple other friends that are, I was training at the same time. And within like a span of two weeks, and this, the one that I just mentioned, she's like, you know, I'm carrying the dog food up and down the stairs and no problem. Now, another friend of mine who I trained virtually, her father's in a wheelchair. I said, how'd the weekend go with your father? Oh, I had to move him. It was a rough weekend, but you know what? I moved him around like nothing lately. And then the other friend that I have that and has had some health issues, she's just commented on just simple daily chores of moving laundry baskets and, and being on her feet all day. It's like, mm -hmm. it was like a two week span where all three of them commented on how just everyday functional strength. And, and then the, it's important. The, the, where, and then the first one that I mentioned and her, her nephews commented on, and they're like, Hey, auntie, you look, you look great. I mean, and so it's like when you have a, a teenage boy, commenting on how their aunt looks you know you're doing something right i mean the other day and i i mean it, it's kind of flattering for me my wife and i were going to a wedding uh, a good friend of mine and i just had a gray t-shirt on with my dress pants on and my older son says to my younger son yo dylan look pie looks jacked dad looks jacked and i'm like first off i don't think i'm that big but again body composition compared to what i was so when my kids are saying something like that it's you're realizing it's more than just that number on the scale when that strength has gone up and things that number may never move. And, yeah. and, and I tell people that it's like, okay, you're, and just to use round numbers, you're at 200, you want to get to 180. I'm going to have you happy at 190. So yes, we are going to lose a little weight, but you're also going to put muscle on and you might never make it to that 180, but I'm going to get it that when you look in the mirror, you'll be happy at 190 and you're not going to worry about 180 anymore. Yeah. Now be careful with the external validation for, um, I hesitate to ever tell somebody based on their looks that they look good because then I feel like it, it kind of sets an unhealthy standard that if they ever do gain weight, that they start to worry that they don't look good and it. And that creates like this, this really negative cycle within themselves. So oh, no, I, I, I don't use it. Healthy. Yeah, no, I, I don't use it. But when, when other people compliment compliment it does, you it does feel good yeah, I'm not it, gonna it feels lie. good yeah no that's what I'm just saying when when other but people I, could it's one of those I things I try not to yeah. I try to tell somebody like you look happy you look like you're oh, you know that one. you look healthy yeah because um again it's like the weight stuff I would rather they be healthy and if they're beaming and they're just glowing you they, they look like oh. they're happy and had, that's what I'm focusing on oh, I had a, a male friend who he was only five six and and walked around at 120 and he went up to like 135. He actually looked healthier at 
mm-hmm. the 135 and he even knew it. He even said he looked healthier and felt better at that. And it wasn't a case of he wasn't working out to flex the weight. It just happened. So yeah, being, I, 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 I don't strong, use the aesthetics. Right. Like what you do is, is an invaluable tool for a lot of people because you do need to be able to have like day-to-day strength. Um, not just, you know, the mental fortitude, but the ability to do things, um, women who are, don't have men to do things for them. I mean, even if you do, I like to be able to do stuff myself and very independent. Um, but in order to do that, I have to have the strength to do it. Otherwise I'm kind of stuck waiting for somebody else to come along and help right. me. No, and, and that's the thing that I, I wear it. Don't get me wrong. You have goals when you're at the gym. Okay. I want to bench 75. I mean, for a woman that's never lifted. And obviously, I mean, I have a video of me squatting and one of the first times at a barbell squat with 95 pounds. I mean, that my first time squatting. So it's not that only women start at the lightweight guys should start at the lightweight. I can, I can make a lightweight feel heavy to you if you do it the right way. But if you have that goal of, okay, first off, you've never done a bench press here, just the bar 45 pounds, and you're going to work your way up and you have those goals, but it's not so much the goal of, hitting that hundred pounds, it's the goal of functional strength and to be able to do whatever you do. And like overhead press is not an easy one. How many times a year do you do your overhead press? Do you think? Me? Yeah. Like in real life or (laughs) twice a year, Um, twice a year, Christmas and Thanksgiving, you go to get the good dishes off the top shelf. And I'm I'm short. So I'm not that short, but but, but I feel like everything is over my head. (laughs) But but, but, I mean, seriously think we, we don't do overhead lifting overhead often. Yeah. Occasionally there's something on that top shelf in the closet, like the Christmas decorations are up on the shelf in the basement or whatever like that, but it's, it's not an everyday movement. So when you go to the gym and, and again, just using round numbers, you, you, squatted 135 you deadlifted 135 you maybe bench pressed 100 but then you only did 50 pounds on the overhead press and you're beating yourself up about it it's not an easy lift and Mm -mm. again to the functional strength is the big thing um and and again like going just on that uh not only the body body positivity but the overall positive mindset and just knowing keeping that balance like i said balance that tripod it, physical mental and emotional and don't beat yourself up on on the aesthetics and because there's going to be times when you feel so much better about yourself when the aesthetics based on society are a little lower than mm-hmm. what people want to see but you're going to feel mentally and emotionally better i feel um at my largest i feel that i am in a much better headspace than i was at my thinnest um i'm happier I always joke around. I'm like, fat is happy, but I mean, not really, but it's just being able to eat in moderation. Like you don't want to binge eat. Like that's got its own problems. No, I mean, like um, like tomorrow for new year's when the cheese and cracker plates are out there and the chips. Yeah. You're not denying yourself. Exactly. You know, I can go out and have drinks with my friends. I'm not in on a strict diet. What I am on a diet or not diet, but what I am doing instead is like, kind of keeping an overall idea of like from the macro standpoint um, and just some days are going to be a little bit more than others and just kind of finding that balance, um, the tripod, but mental, mental health is super important as well as physical health, emotional health, being able to 
go to sleep at night. That's that's a beautiful thing. Um, I, I left the job a little over a year and a half ago now that I was at for 25 years. And I feel so much better now. Uh, I don't know if you saw a post I put on Instagram, uh, Angels Landing. I'll, I'll send it to you as a hike I did out in Southwest Utah. And I just mentioned the risk of leaving the shop, but this was a job that I woke up at 4 a.m. for nearly 25 years and it physically, mentally, and emotionally beat the crap out of me. And financially, I'm probably a notch behind where I was there, but I'm so much happier. I physically feel better. I'm doing what I love. I love coaching. So the personal training, the archery lessons. I mean, today I just had, I have a homeschool group of kids where I have two classes back to back that 15 kids in it that I, that I coach in archery. And it's, that's what I love to do. And, and, doing stuff like this. And I've met so many, and as much as you said, you don't feel that you're a coach, you, you are a coach. Even sitting, I don't feel like a therapist. I I do. Yeah. Right. But but sitting behind, I did a photo shoot one time, go back to the TFP time. So back in the, the model mayhem or whichever, with the one model place sites, um, a woman did a, a shoot and it didn't go well. Like the whole stereotypical creepy photographer thing. So she was a little hesitant to come work with me just because I was from the city. And I said, Nope, that's fine. When, when you're ready, I'm here. And she set up the shoot. And then this was at AOL days and we're on instant messenger. And yeah. she says, and she's like, how much do I owe you? I I forgot my, my checkbook. And I'm like, no, this was a, a trade. She goes, no, no, no. Give me a prayer. And like, she just kept bugging me. And the whole plan was for her to be a trade. And just as I'm about to type how's $50, she says, how's $200. And she signs off. And two days later, I have a check for $200, but I had a card with that check that said, thank you for such a great experience. You me, you made me feel beautiful. Like I've always wanted. It was the card meant so much more to me than the 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, that's why I coach when I do stuff yeah. like that. When I have, and when I have my friend who's a cancer survivor that tells me she feels better than she's ever felt because of what I'm doing with her in the gym. And, and I, I met, actually met her through coaching archery. She came to me for a private archery lesson and then said, here, why don't you try this? Just give it a try and see how you like it. And, and so when I get feedback like that, that's why you do it. it. When, when, when that woman buys the image that you didn't expect her to even want to look at, and that's the one that made her smile and she purchased, that's why we do this, making other people feel yeah. good. So yeah, that is, I absolutely agree. <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on. I mean, I really enjoyed this conversation and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Shift mindset podcast is for entertainment purposes only while the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use, as well as clients we have worked with. These recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including, but not limited to your primary care physician and mental health professionals. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the PowerShift Mindset Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at The PowerShift Mindset, and also visit thepowershiftmindset.com. Thanks again for listening to The PowerShift Mindset.